This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. Hey, how's everyone doing? Episode 540. Still moving along here, talking about business storytelling and everything related to it, all the different things you have to think about, you have to consider, even if you never do them, you still want to at least think about that. Um, And today we want to talk about content localization. Uh, And certainly, you know, I don't know, when I think about localization, I think about Amazon serving me the correct Amazon.com and not the Amazon.de, for example, that's Amazon Germany. Um, and sometimes, uh, you know, maybe my worst localization story, quite frankly, is when I'm traveling in Europe or I was in Hong Kong a few years ago and they serve you the local sites, but I don't speak, you know, the, the local language. I don't speak Spanish and I can't even figure out what their, uh, what the website says. So we want to talk about, um, how, how do you have to think about content localization? When do you use it? How do you use it? And are there ways to overdo it? There probably are. Um, so let's find out. Kate Kenyon, she's on the show today. Content and localization operations executive director, J.P. Morgan Chase. Really happy to have her on the show today. Welcome, Kate. Always fist bumping. Always appreciate if you if you are listening to the podcast version and want to see us fist bump, head on over to Spotify because that's where a video version runs as well. Kate, welcome to the show. Now, localization. Tell me about that. I mean, you spend your days in content ops and, and localization operations. What does that mean? How do we have to think about localization of content and, and, and how does that even play out? Yeah. Localization is, as you said, as reading a site, I'm abroad and I, I want to be able to, and you want to be able to, to go into another localization is more than that. Localization is get correct, accurate concept that you are in. And this can match language, but in different parts of the same example of one from like my previous at Babylon, which is a health, um, the Content that we state of the US versus another state of the US around something like birth control from one place to another. So we would have content in one place, but then localized for a different area to be able to serve it to you very locally. The state that you're in can actually mean changing something and localizing it for a different market. It's like to Expedia. The forty-four languages, I think, content that you needed to for the was quite different from the content to get people to part with their dollar. Tech markets wanted to see much more offering look like, and one service end that was very much the content as much 
much more localized towards like and um, business center. So it's more than just getting getting the right content for each market. It's very interesting to me when we uh, when we think about that. I mean, you even mentioned the different states when it comes to abortion uh, and and other things. But but how do we, as a company? I mean, what what I mean, a, a bigger company makes sense to me, right? They want to think about localization for for different content pieces. But how do we? Uh, as a company, like at what point do we need to think about that? I mean, even on my blog, which is a personal blog, you know, ChristophTrap.com, but it, I'm not selling anything, but it has a good audience by now, other than a book here and there. Um, and I think about localization sometimes, you know, like maybe if somebody in India, I, I show them a different story or or whatever it might be. But that's really more me just... I don't know, lack of a better term, playing around, right? Trying different things. How do you, when should companies think about that? When should companies consider um, localization, I mean, at a level that actually makes sense to them? Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, first of all, good content is is good content every language. And and because I, I suspect we're probably as a world is already way ahead and already they read on the internet every day. Uh, the Google Lens for Translate, it's all grown up to things and it will translate very good these days. So that is all places for people who are already can see local languages. When you like, well, I think the tipping point would to be able to so if you have products with sold, then you need to be able to speak to customers. Um, and as well. Um, a cheap undertaking. Um, we've all got, got like horror stories of like bits are really badly. Um, thing that you should do like and it's a continuous cost as well content isn't going to stay the same you're going to have to keep doing it but but if you make money in an area then you're really going again a story from Expedia open source API where a third party you could basically say like a white label Expedia's hotels and no traction in Japan and for Hotel bookings, but if you don't, don't translate the developer's Bible into how to do, you're not going to get any traction. You say it out loud, but, but translate just about um, sale in the market. Interesting. So, of course, like everything in life, you have to kind of measure the ROI, and you know, if it's not working in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would you be doing it in Japan? But if it's working in, you know, some other country, and especially when you can, uh, you know, attribute dollars to it. Um, so which, which kind of makes me think about um, there's like two work streams for everything nowadays, it seems like, right? There's like the human piece. Like, I know there is AI tools out there to write content. I haven't found one yet. 
that's as good as I'd like it to be. I mean, some are getting closer and closer and closer. And one of these days, I will be able to, to write content mm -hmm. through an AI tool, assuming I have the source material, certainly. But nonetheless, there's always the human aspect, right? Somebody has to supervise the machine. Somebody has to set the strategy, whatever it might be. Then you have the stuff the machines do, right? Like they just, I mean, you know, they serve you the content dynamically. What is that mix when it comes to localization? I mean, is it 50-50? Is it, I, maybe we, we can put an exact number on it, but you know what I mean? Like, how do you think about this is part is the machines and this part we need humans for whatever that piece might be. It's actually within localization. Um, machine translation. You, you are the box. You, you are tra training the machine. You, you how you might uh, always have your own special lexicon. I mean, certainly in Chase, an account such a got their own names how do you manage for example um vocabulary and then training a machine that takes time i mean an untrained machine will usually give you a call it a post editing distance so it's like it's like your standard post five words will need a little tweak from they can be like so a well-trained machine, you can hard percent. So those you're training with, I mean, machines are getting. I would say that's an average, though. Machines work really, really well. Like the longer the document is, so where they use things like microcopy in a little tiny string with like five words in it no. I mean now pull up a word in English it's like, like do you mean forward continue next week you know what do you mean by that and you've got no context around it they're off using humans yeah it's really interesting and uh, I used the real talk the customer insight show and Andy Bearclaw uh the the founder and CTO who's actually based there in the UK, uh, he was on there talking about natural language processing. And I think one thing that people need to remember, and I know it's hard because we want everything to be perfect, but it gets better over time, right? It's learning yeah. as we're going. Sure. Um, you know, so I think that's probably a part here too, because I mean, why am I getting, I mean, if I'm on a totally new website, let's say I was in Malaga, Spain earlier this summer, I don't speak Spanish. What and if somebody serves me the Spanish language website of a site I've never been on, I get it. But if I web if I visit a site that I visit all the time, even in the US, makes no sense to me that I'm being served the Spanish version of that website because they know that I speak English. They know where I'm from. I'm not new. Um so at some point you would think that they they figure that out, right? Or is that just my experience uh, when it comes to these kind it's of uh, localization strategies? Thing. Where they're doing, what they're doing there is using to determine preference. Like, and, and that, as you've experienced, it's a really annoying 
give you a different language. Um, the language preferences is actually um, you find um, uh, you know they do tend to make an inference between or locale, like you know switch preference Spanish. Now, but not everybody. Um, for example, which has like people, so it's equivalent to the UK. German, yeah, that's their top language. Turkish. So, around people's preferred language alone. A um, question is to is to use geolocation in Spain. We're going to search a few content in Spain. The more complicated than you're in Spain, but would you like us to talk to you then? Can have some complications as well when links are available to you in each country as well. Within banking, in Chase and the US are very different in Chase and the UK. Same language, you might. It's very, it's very interesting. Now, talk to me a little bit about your background. I always like to, you know, we don't do it at the beginning, but maybe halfway through. Uh, talk about your background in why do you care about content? Look, and and your, you know, when I when I look at your um, experience, it's it's content localization, UX, and and all that is together, right? And that's that always excites me because, quite frankly, they all kind of fit together. They all have a connection. And so certainly that can be very helpful to have that being led by one person. Uh, but but talk about your experience in why is this topic of interest to you and, and, and why do you, um, you know, why did you make a career out of it for lack of a better term? A career, I've always been a words person. Um, um, but my first job was journalism, really. I worked for the BBC. So I said, okay, well, we make our own websites, Facebook. Good luck with that. And websites, basic ones. Um, and from there, how content is managed and stored a bit. Um, and I progress looking at how content is not just, you know, optimized. Eventually retired. That is an important. Um, and I. I, I mean, I, I've been doing this like now, I think. Um, and it's interesting me. It's the number of way we do things has changed, but get us and it's still something that I get a kick out. I, I like localization extension of that. It's a, the the tech piece of it. I really enjoy watching. Have done the tools that linguists use. I see my, my job now is really making a space, good writing and good, good translation to have the infrastructure, the people, the tech that you need to do, do that. It's not good enough to just be, a, it's, it's not enough to, if no one's helping you do your job, is to make that happen. Great. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. And so, you know, the one thing as, as you were talking that I was thinking about is 
Um, when you talk about localizing content for all these different areas, I mean, even just the states of the United States, I mean, I guess the abortion example, you can look that up, right? You can say, okay, here's oh, really? what's going on here. Here's what, I mean, you can totally like, I'm not sure you need to know much about Alabama to, to know what Alabama stand on that is, right? Like, or you can just look that up. But there's some things that they're not as tangible, right? They're not as easy to look up. So like, you know, how do people in Mississippi, how do they react to certain content? How is that different from people in Iowa or, you know, the Pacific Northwest? And then let's forget about just the United States, but other countries. So every once in a while I run into people and they say, well, how much experience do people have um, running a global brand and blah? knowing all these kids how much do you actually have to know about each market and if you do how do you learn it or how do you do it do you know what i mean like how do you prepare to do something like that yeah it's a if localization the is if you take away the word personalization i think it's really understandable to people because people are like old foreign languages I don't know personalization that you need what that you're selling how universal is it how complicated could it be in each market has a really good example of what personalized to you based on your credit scores the country that you live in the country that you live in um make for a, a, a need for solution on a high degree of like like before somebody can buy something i wouldn't say that that applies um and certainly when it comes to most of the companies that i've worked with when they look at the marketing they tend to be to local model so like one level in a way that's universal and all of our customers and then at a local level to make it out. I'll give you an example from when I worked in GSK Pharma some years ago. But um, if, if you're asking the drug Ventolin, Ventolin's um, been around for like 40. It's actually still a really new drug. Brazil. So UK in the US and the UK is this is the drug that you know you can trust and it's very proven effective and it's this really big new thing so it can vary depending on things like your purity as well I mean for just like of the narrative and then at a local level it is tweaked I think my mute button there didn't work for a second. So, um, so it's in, so some of it, what you said there, what you said there too is, it's about. I mean, some of it is actually dictated too by by local laws, right? So if you uh, mm-hmm. if you can show a certain pharmacy um, pharmaceutical type content in the UK, but you can show it in wherever Missouri uh, in the United States, you know, 
you have to do it. It doesn't make any difference whether or not it's working. That's the law. So certainly that's an interesting way to talk about that too. Um, but how do you know? I mean, I'm just, so I grew up in Germany. So certainly I still got some of those German traits and, and um, values and behaviors and whatnot. Um, and I can tell you how German um, culture was when I grew up, which is now not yesterday, right? I mean, certainly it has evolved as well. And I can give you my opinion, but, and like everybody can give anybody's opinion, everybody their opinion, right? But how do we know that localization is working? I mean, you know, the government says, yep, you're following all the rules. That's certainly one thing and some of those highly regulated industries. But in general, how do we know that it's working? How do we know it's hitting the right tone and showing the right content? Are there metrics or is it all anecdotal? No, they're very clear. I mean, we we distinction between localization disciplines like research. Personally, before I would go into a significant amount of research that happens around, as you say, at a product like wearing a brand, where, where is this positioned in your tone of voice? So a lot of that happens. Um, you even editing one word into another um, between the Germany and the UK for banking. Germany's seventy still cashing. I mean, in the UK, it's COVID. I rarely have a blip, 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 blip. You know, and in Germany, much less so a lot of cash and much less card usage. Things like that will influence attitudes towards banking, much more um, institutional, formal. So, in which we talk to people, so to the formal Z, then it would uh, it be products that you're offering that are being understood. Do research before we start. I think the one thing, so as you just mentioned that, what came to my mind too is when I was actually, I was in Birmingham um, a couple months ago, 10 weeks ago maybe, and one time I paid at a restaurant and I said, where did I put my card? And he said, already, already did it, right? It already did the near whatever. And I didn't realize it was doing uh-huh. it until I got that little notification. And then, you know, so that's cool. Um, but it, like in Germany, I mean, every time I'm in Germany, the internet doesn't work well. I mean, I'm totally over um stereotyping it here but you know you're driving in a bus in bavaria and your internet on your phone is horrible right and i've had that many many times but what i don't know is and this is maybe an interesting um discussion point is is it that germans don't want the technology or that they just haven't gotten it right so if i am looking forward and i actually want it I might have a very different need for content than if I'm opposing it, right? Like, how do we know? Uh, honestly, if I had an answer to that, that question right now, um, knowing do you build what people want or do you build them? I mean, if you, there's that wonderful thing asked the people, they said they wanted to just ask a whole 
I, I just on that one, I don't know how much people to a new experience until their environment is ready for them to to understand. You can't really have have a digital only bank access, and your your society are oriented. So the choosing your market and those with localization alone. I keep in the world in the right language, but something you want to buy, then you're still not. It's certainly an interesting question. And Nick Graham of Monolies on Real Talk, the Customer Insights Show, actually used that same quote and said that <laughs> quote, people quote it all the time and say, it does not give us customer insights. And he says, it totally gives you customer insights because you know what? They don't know to answer with, they don't know to answer, I need a car, right? But they certainly can, they certainly are telling you they want to go faster. And then we have to figure out what is it that can go faster, whether that's mm -hmm. a car or whatever it might be. And I always, I mean, he he put that in, in such great context. Uh, Kate, tell us, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you sharing your insights today on today's episode. Um, tell us, where do people connect with you and, and how do they find you? I can use full-time at the moment on Chase has only been launched in the UK bank for a year now um, into uh, other territories soon. So if anybody is, they should hit me up on LinkedIn, acting like mad very soon. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.